Hello. There we go. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Brown Table. Glad you're here. Continuing in the series, Marine Jesus. Yeah, I did not.
<laughs> you preach sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Uh, gentlemen, I have a song for you this morning, and I would like for you to hear the song on your feet. I'd like to ask you to stand up. <clears throat> um, the reason I want you to stand up is because I want you to hear uh, this song uh, the way I first heard it uh, many years ago. Um, the song comes out of a powerful passage, uh, Revelation chapter 19. I you to listen to this. This is one of the most beautiful uh, pictures of Jesus in all of Scripture. So powerful. Out of the Message Bible, uh, Revelation 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open wide, and oh, a white horse and its rider. The writer named Faithful and True judges and makes war in pure righteousness. His eyes are a blaze of fire. On his head, many crowns. He has a name inscribed that's, not, that's known only to himself. And he is dressed in a robe soaked with blood. And he is addressed as Word of God. The armies of heaven mounted on white horses and dressed in dazzling white linen follow him. A sharp sword comes out of his mouth so he can subdue the nations and then rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the raging wrath of God, the sovereign strong. On his robe and thigh is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Guys, when I read that, goosebumps run up my spine. Uh, several years ago, I was at a John Eldridge conference, and I've told this story before, so some of you have heard it. And um, there's, you know, I don't know, six, seven hundred men um, in uh, Buena Vista, Colorado, at a Young Life camp. And John Eldridge uh, was doing the teaching on Revelation chapter two at the end of the chapter it says that when we get to heaven jesus uh, will have a white stone that he will give each of us and on that white stone will be inscribed 
the affectionate name, the personal name that he has had for us uh, since eternity. You know, it's like when our children are born, we give them affectionate names. Audrey has always been Snookapooka uh, to me <laughs> from day one, Snookapooka. Ab uh, uh, Abigail, my youngest, has always been Abadabadoo uh, since day one. And God has an affectionate name for you and me. So Eldridge is doing this teaching, and after he does the teaching, he says, I want you to take your journal, I want you to get to a quiet place, and I want you to begin to listen to God, and God may give you your personal name that he has for you. And so just begin to ask him, God, would you give me that name? So I, uh, I have my journal, and I can show you the journal now, and I just start um, writing names that come to my mind. In the first uh, phrase that I write on a list is white horse. I write white horse. And then I think the next one was Ronald Reagan. <laughs> I had just finished reading the biography um, uh, by Nancy What's-Her-Face uh, uh, on uh, Ronald Reagan. And, um, and then I, I wrote a, a, a number of other just words, you know, just kind of just uh, brainstorming, free thinking. Didn't sense that God um, uh, tattooed any of them on my forehead. And so uh, time was up and I picked up my journal and walked back into the auditorium with the six, 700 men. And I'm standing there um, and I'm just thinking, uh, God, what is your affectionate name for me? And this is what I begin to hear. This is the song, this is the song. I begin to hear the song and the words of the song on your page. I hear this. I've never heard this before. Never heard this. White horse. And God begins to speak to me, I believe. And he says, you are my white horse. White horse. May you hear the voice of God through this song. Yeah. Yes. Go. 
Right on. Right on. You may be seated. Uh, and as most of you know, um, I sign all my correspondence uh, right on, and I do not ride motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've often been asked that, but um, that um, uh, signing of um, my correspondence um, comes out of that song, right on, Will You Ride. Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. Words in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Gentlemen, follow with me as we read our introductory paragraphs. Marine Jesus, he is with you always, just like your rifle. Simplify, always faithful. To be a Marine means a daily commitment to live up to the highest standards. Being a Marine means to be ever accountable to the warrior ethos, which adheres to these fundamental truths. Character counts. Honesty is incorruptible. And integrity means everything. We need our Christian commitment to be more Marine-like than what our culture has made Christian men to be. Jesus modeled, check my mic. It says it's on. And now it's off, and now it is on again. So I'll let you guys deal with that, and I will continue. <laughs> not, not my monkey, not my circus. There we go. We need our Christian commitment to be more marine-like than what our culture has made Christian men to be. Jesus modeled a warrior-like character. And when we discover his true character, we uncover the real Jesus. A true knowledge of Jesus is our greatest need and our greatest happiness. This study will help us to be the men God designed us to be, men willing to initiate, take responsibility, and to fight for a cause greater than ourselves, Simbify. Guys, I want to show you a clip right off the bat that kind of um, illustrates this idea of a Marine Jesus. Um, I love, as I've said to you before, and I've shown you a number of clips by Steve Hartman, uh, Sunday morning before church, I was kind of working on on uh, our study uh, for this morning, and Steve Hartman comes up and does a piece uh, on the uh, Sunday morning uh, news uh, about an ex-Marine. And um, I think this illustrates what we're talking about. Marine Jesus, what does a Marine look like in real life? Watch this. To Steve Hartman, with the tale of a man driven to Steve Hartman, with the tale of a man driven to serve. If anyone has earned a coffee break, it's 63-year-old Mike Mason of Midlothian, Virginia. Mike served his country, first as a captain in the Marines. Mike Mason from the FBI. And later as the number four man at the FBI. Good afternoon. Mike left the Bureau in 2007, went on to work as an executive at a Fortune 500 company, and then the chief operating officer of this rocking chair. But Mike says retirement did not sit well with him. I still had a mind and I still had things I thought I was capable of doing. 
But if Mike was going to start a new chapter, he knew it would have to be something really important, a job with a big payout, worthy of his time. So in the end, the choice was clear. How you doing? Hi. From top of the FBI to head of the BUS, Mike Mason may be the most overqualified school bus driver in America. When I gave them my resume, I actually got called by a very senior person in the county and he said, mm, just checking. <laughs> Did why you mean to apply for this job? Why, why do you want to be a bus driver? And I told him. Mike had heard the Chesterfield County Public School District was down 125 drivers, part of a national crisis. In fact, more than half the school districts in America are reporting severe driver shortages. So Mike stepped up and went all in. I mean, this guy actually waxes his bus. Why? Because <laughs> it's just how I roll. This is the Marines coming back. It is. But I think this is important work. I do. Do you sincerely believe that what you're doing today is as important as what you were doing at the FBI? I do. I think in, in our society, we need to get next to the idea that there are no unimportant jobs. I mean, what could be more important than the attention we pay to our education system? So you continue to advance in your career? That's exactly right. I'm paid a lot less, but I, I continue to advance in my career. Yes, indeed. As for the salary, Mike says he already donated all of what he expects to make this year, more than $30,000 to various charities. But of course, the much bigger gift is far less tangible. Mike Mason had climbed to the highest level. According to the indictment, but by stepping into this job, he has shown true leadership. Leadership by example. Okay. Well, then don't. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that a great way to, to start a conversation? You know, I don't. I don't mean to offend you. <laughs> thinking, oh, here it comes. You know, and he said, um, "Why do you do this?" <laughs> and I didn't want to say, "Well, because I get paid for it." You know, that that wouldn't have been good. You know, you know. Uh, and I said, "You know." Um, that's a great question. I haven't thought about that in a while. Why do I do this? And I said, um, uh, Bubba, I said, the reason I do this is because I have been given to. And I'm just trying to give back. I've had men pour into my life, and I'm trying to pour into men like you. I'm so glad you came tonight, and I hope you'll keep coming back tonight. The motive. Why do we do what we do? Motives are essential and often questionable. But you know, in our in the culture that we grow uh, that we're in, whether it be you know political or church or whatever, man, it is so easy to grow cynical, is it not? And you know, we just kind of say, heck with it. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody in politics. I don't trust anybody uh, that I work with. I don't trust anybody in my church. No, whatever. I don't trust anybody in my family. I'm not going to Thanksgiving. They're all crazy. You know, um, you look over at John chapter 7. The motive of Jesus. John chapter 7, verse 16. Jesus said, I didn't make this up. 
What I teach comes from the one who sent me. Even Jesus proclaims himself to be a messenger. Even Jesus practiced bowing the knee to someone greater than himself. That's how life works. Anyone who wants to do his will can test this teaching and know whether it's from God or whether I'm making it up. A person making things up. Now underline that phrase right there in our culture today. How does that phrase work? A person making things up. Because that's where our cynicism comes from. You know? It's like the more I listen to that, the more I just want to throw my hands up. A person making things up tries to make himself look good. But someone trying to honor the one who sent him sticks to the facts and doesn't tamper with reality. See, guys, I would just say that I believe Jesus' motive was to honor his father. Obviously. It was Moses, wasn't it, who gave you God's law, but none of you are living it. So why are you trying to kill me? Now, again, here's Marine Jesus right here. Man, I'm telling you, listen to this. I mean, he's not afraid to throw a skunk in the room. The crowd said, you're crazy. Who's, tr who's trying to kill you? You're demon-possessed. Now, guys, I've had some pretty stupid things said to me. And Jesus has had worser. He's had worser. You're demon-possessed. You're crazy. Well, that hurts my feelings. I'm, I'm going home. You know, Jesus, it's like, man, they yelled at him. They called him crazy. You going to quit when they call you crazy? Jesus said, I did one miraculous thing for a, a few months ago, and you're still standing around getting all upset, wondering what I'm up to. Moses prescribed circumcision. Originally, it came not from Moses, but from his ancestors. And do you circumcise a man dealing with one part of his body, even if it's the Sabbath? You do this in order to preserve one item in the law of Moses. So why are you so upset with me because I made a man's whole body well on the Sabbath? Don't be hypocritical. Use your head and heart to discern what is right, to test what is authentically right. What's Jesus' motive? To bring honor to his father. And he's not afraid to call hypocrites to the table. People's love love. That's uncomfortable. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable. He was not afraid to challenge our comfort to make us uncomfortable. His motive. So what about telling the truth? Jesus was true. Jesus gives the ability to say honest things to people. Now somebody comes up to me and and they say, Phil, can I be honest with you? <laughs> Again, that's one of those like, oh no, here it comes, you know, another person that I have offended. Now guys, again, I, I really uh, have a pet peeve about offense. I think you have to work hard to be offended. It's like, dude, 
I mean, most of the time, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm broken as a left-handed soup sandwich. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to be offended. I try not to be offended because I think to be offended is a choice that comes out of your grandiosity and pride. You know, if you're offended, you think way too much of yourself. It's like somebody says something to me. If I'm in my right head, I'm thinking, dude, you're going to criticize me for that? Well, look, I got watches and I got rings, man. <laughs> you know, get in line. You know, it's like coming up to the deli and getting a number from the deli. You know, wait in line. There's a whole bunch of stuff here that you could criticize me for. Matthew chapter 12. Look at Matthew chapter 12. This, this is such an incredible illustration of Jesus' honesty that would easily offend most. Verse 46, while he was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers showed up. Kind of like Thanksgiving came to him. They were outside trying to get a message to him, and someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are out here Wanting to speak with you. But what do you do? Oh, it's, you know, family, family, can't say no to family. Don't say no to family. Loyalty, loyalty. Now, guys, I'm telling you, loyalty in a family is a mark of dysfunctional families. To overplay loyalty is the definition of of dysfunctional families. When the currency of no is not allowed in your family, that's a problem. So Jesus didn't respond directly, but he said, who do you think my mother and my brothers are? He then stretched out his hand toward his disciples. Look closely. There are my mother and my brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my Heavenly Father's will is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. I mean, think about that. I mean, think about that. Dude, if that happened in our culture today, a scenario like that, that would be headline news. You know, Christian leader offends mom. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's really kind of funny. Well, and let's let's bring that down to the to the practical, to the reality of our life. Uh, holidays are coming. You see, with so many couples, where it's like you know, you're trying to figure out where you're going for Thanksgiving, who's going where, if we got to be here, Mama's going to be mad if we're not there. Well, man, I'm telling you, that is that is we deal with that during the holidays all the time. Uh, I want to sell t-shirts on my website and say, I'll be home for Christmas and in therapy by New Year's. And so much of that is because of this family loyalty and the inability to just say, no, Mom, 
here's what we're doing. This is my family, and this is what we're going to do. If you want to come to our dinner, you're welcome. If you want to do it at a different time, then you can do it then. Oh, boy. Let that get spun up. But, but that's, a, that's a reality. And just a shameless plug, uh, even I do a podcast with uh, Craig Robertson and Matt Easterling called the Robertson and Easterling Podcast. Uh, and if you want to go and uh, look that up, you'll see last year we did a uh, two-part episode called I'll Be Home for Christmas and it's there be for you. Um, and, and what we're talking about on that podcast is simply boundaries. Becoming a well-boundary person. And that's what Jesus was. That's an example of boundaries. The ability to just say no. There you go, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was say, our IT guy, our IT guy is on, on the move this morning. So faithful and true, um, this idea of Jesus cutting to the heart, his integrity was unmatched. In, in, in reading through the Gospels and just seeing Jesus says he is playful, shrewd, cunning, generous, fierce. Uh, not one moment of it is contrived. He was fully himself. Um, think about it for a minute in terms of just your own growth. How are you inhibited and prohibited to be yourself? How do you measure what you're going to say based on the response? How, how free are you to love and receive love? And that's an issue of integrity. Faithful mm -hmm. truth. In, in his chapter in Beautiful Outlaw, uh, around this, uh, Eldridge kind of boils it down to, you know, our, the greatest fear we have is the fear of man. What will, they, what will they think? What will people say? And, and I would also add, I think for us husbands, uh, one of our greatest fears is fear of woman, right? Uh, don't, want, don't want to make mama man. And then that plays out. But guys, part of our growth is beginning to, like boundaries are simply things that I will accept, things that I will not accept, things that I will do, things that I will not do. It's about my values and my integrity. Um, we, uh, unlike, you know, Phil sent out an email about the three different um, deer camps that were going on this past weekend, and he was so proud because, you know, he's in fair hope and these things are going on. Well, unlike General Milley here, um, some of us are more like General Patton. We're, we're out there with the troops, boots on the ground. And uh, I, I got to do the two days with the hangar men. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily that a guy's, you know, like coming to Jesus, but, but maybe he's kind of experiencing the real Jesus that we're talking about. Um, and there was a guy there uh, this past weekend, uh, my new brother, um, his name is Marcus Landfair, and he would not mind me. I hope he comes here. 
and shares his story. Uh, but Marcus was not a Marine, but Marcus has been in a, a lot of wars. Uh, his story uh, was hard. And Marcus loves Jesus. And uh, he is uh, he, he's a barber, uh, owns a shop down in Jackson called Hopeful Barber. Uh, Marcus is not retreating from the front. Marcus wants to change it. And he's got a heart bigger than Texas. And he's he is an oak of righteousness. And man, that's one reason I love doing these little tours. Uh, Marcus is a true man, a man of integrity, uh, because he, he ain't hiding nothing. He, he doesn't hold secrets. Uh, he is real. And they don't get any more real than my new brother, Marcus Langdon. I hope he shows up here. Try to get him to come, but he, he, he's working. <laughs> he, he's on the front line. Right. So, guys, just finishing up this morning. Marine Jesus, faithful and true. What's your motive today? Why do you do what you do? Um, is there truth in what you say? Can people trust you? Do they believe you? Is there integrity in your life, a man of character? And finally, is there diversity with you? Or you just hang out with people just like you? You know? Can you really welcome somebody who is of a different belief politically, goes to a different church, different skin color, taller, shorter, fatter, skinnier than you? Or you just have to have it homogenized, pasteurized, uh, in order to love it. Jesus was all those things. Faithful and true. Let's close in prayer. Father God, so grateful uh, that you've given us wisdom uh, for the day. You've given us um, insight. Uh, manna for the day. I pray we would live it out in a way that would bring honor to your name and healing to broken hearts um, all around us. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week, guys.